Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. We've got a great show for you this week. We're going to be looking at a couple of different things. Steve Mailer is going to be joining us with a guest talking about animation. I'll just kind of leave it at that so that uh, you can be surprised. His name is Mark Spurlock. Also, we're going to be talking about the big ransomware attack, the dark web, the deep web, the differences between all of those different things, and a little bit of how to stay safe out there. Rohail Co. Insurance is a locally owned insurance broker that is dedicated to protecting your automobiles, home, or business. Call 503-636-0495 to learn more. So what is in the news today? Jedi is dead. Okay, I, I need a good explanation for this because this sounds terrible. You know, we could start out with Star Wars and the heroes like the Sith and the villains like Okay, the Jedi. We, we don't need to get into that horrible mess uh, okay. right now. <laughs> uh, but this isn't about that at all. This is about a contract that was awarded oh. by the government military called Jedi to Microsoft. Uh-huh. And there was what does a, that stand for? Um, what does it stand for? I will have to let you know on that. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, I, I'm sure it stands for something because it does look like an acronym, although JEDI to us, I just, JEDI. But in any event, <laughs> uh, what this is, is a contract that has to do with cloud computing for the military. It's a $10 oh. billion dollar contract, and it's something that was a row under the last administration because it was awarded to Microsoft, and Amazon claimed that it was done because the administration didn't like Amazon and all this stuff. But in any event, that's what ended up happening. Well, there's been so much delay on it and all kinds of other things that the actual agreement has been deemed obsolete now. Hmm. So they have canceled this contract, and they're bidding out for new things that portions of it will probably go to different companies, for one thing. It isn't going to be to all one company. Mm-hmm. And uh, Actually, that might be wise. So yep. if you get a hack, it only hurts part of you. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, well, the other thing of it is, is it's also... Uh, a situation where you have different technologies, which tends to make things a little bit stronger sometimes if that's done right. Now, mm -hmm. if it's done in a vacuum, you know, who knows? Because you can always screw these things up. And in answer to your question, it is the Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure Contract. Okay. <laughs> okay. I just don't want to see any dead Jedis, okay? Yeah, no, no dead Jedis. And I, I was pretty sure that's what it was. I just wanted to make sure I was giving the right uh, definition there. But that's what that is. Okay. Audacity 3.0 called Spyware over data collection changes by new owner. Okay, first off, Audacity is a program for making podcasts. We yes. actually don't yes. use it on our end, but we did in the beginning, and a lot of people do, and it's actually considered a standard. The software is free, uh, so since a lot of podcasts are done on the cheap, it's nice to have free software that works well. You know, and that Absolutely. was where we started. So that being said, a new company has bought the rights to this program, and they've released a new version, 3.0. So what we worked on was always 2.something, or even 1, if you had it for a long time. And the new version is collecting data from your computer and sending it somewhere. Mm. And uh, that's somewhere being online. And yeah, this, I don't like that. This comes to ask a very important question, I think, with these type of things. Because where I've noticed this is a piece of software that does what it's supposed to, that collects information, really spyware. I would say yes. 
But then you also have to look at all of these play-to-pay games on your tablets. Like, so for example, why does the Simpsons game need access to your contact list? Or Angry Birds or something? Yeah. Would, would, yeah. would those programs be considered spyware by this definition? Not sure. Well, they I know the contact list is because they want to get more players. So they're probably going to send invites based on, oh, hey, you know, Jeremy is playing Angry Birds 2. You should play Angry Birds 2 as well. Yeah. You know, click this link to join. Yeah, understood. <laughs> However, it's never prompted me for permission to do that. It just wants that right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know. So, so in any event, that's what's going on here. My advice right now is stick with version 2, whatever. It works well. It's still available for download. And we'll see what happens here if this will either they're going to sweep this under the rug and just keep doing it, or maybe they'll make some changes to make this less uh, of a, of a quote, spyware type program. Bezos and Gates back fake meat and dairy. Now, this doesn't sound good to me. I'm an omnivore, okay? (laughs) Basically, what's happening with as many people on the planet and with some of the other things that are going on with the fires and Things. There is a lot of concern about not being able to continue to produce a large enough food supply. There are already, of course, many parts of the world that don't have access to food on a reasonable basis. So mm-hmm. what they're talking about here is creating essentially fake meat and dairy out of fungus. And this being an idea of a way to supplement the worldwide food supply in a way that doesn't have the carbon footprint either that uh, regular meat and stuff does. You know, I'm cool with a lot of stuff like that. I just don't like it when when you go to the store and it says vegan cheddar. Um, um, you know, don't call it cheddar cheese, okay? Because it's okay that it's vegan, but don't call it cheddar cheese because it's not. You know? Yeah, and that's actually true. There is a huge difference in these things, and I am no expert on all of that. I would like to see them come up with a marketing for these things that makes them their own unique thing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or or at least gives you the idea of a difference. Like Incredible Meat, for example, you know with their marketing that, okay, this is plant-based meat. No, I didn't know that. Never heard of it. Okay. Well, then uh, you should check out their marketing. Incredible Meat, their marketing's not doing well. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Zero day bug. Found in Microsoft print function. That doesn't sound good. No. Yeah, this is it a, never is. a zero day exploit. So what this is in for our tech people that listen is in the print spooler function, they have found and exploited a problem. It is one that's being patched and all of that, but it is definitely a scenario that is something that could create some problems. Now, zero day functions. Generally, what that term refers to is a problem with software that the developers themselves may not even know about. And if they do, they haven't disclosed it yet because they're trying to fix it. But it certainly hasn't been fixed yet. So it's a way for someone to be able to get into a system and be able to do it through a method that has a a known exploit, but a known exploit that is either so recently discovered that it hasn't been fixed or that the developers haven't been able to fix yet. So is this in Windows or in their um, Office software? This is in Windows. This is in the Windows operating system. It exists in both Windows 10 and the server uh, Ooh, software. That's really so bad. It is being patched, and it is something that will get fixed soon. But uh, it is definitely something that is, you know, you want to be out there. Now, how do you deal with these type of things? Make sure your updates are turned on. Make sure that you have all of that done. It's just that's really as far as you can take it. If there's not a patch for it yet, you're not going to be able to fix it. 
If you stop your sprint or your print spooler, you won't be able to print from your Windows environment. So that's not really an option, you know. So it's just one of those things. But it's definitely something to be aware of and be aware of that's out there. Google rethinks cutting cookies serves up chips, and that's C H I P S with big caps. So what does that stand for? Okay, so that's another acronym. Mm. And uh, before I get there, uh, <laughs> let me talk about this a little bit. Um, so cookies have been a big deal, and it's something that's been controversial, and I trust departments are getting involved in this and that type of thing. And what cookies are is this specifically refers to third-party cookies. We talked about this a lot in depth on a previous show. Mm-hmm. So first-party cookies are the kind of cookies that save your username on a website or something that you've looked at, a shopping cart, that kind of a thing. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about third-party cookies that track across different websites for things like delivering targeted advertising. Okay? Okay. So what they're talking about here is uh, another thing. This is an acronym. Uh, It's in a different language, so I'm not going to attempt to pronounce it. Okay. But it is a portion of a piece of information, I guess would be the best way to put it, that will also be part of the browser. And as to the specifics on what that's going to be, I'm giving a very 10,000-foot view explanation here just because of our time, but it is something we can dive into. It's just another way of doing this. So in other words, what Google is thinking about is if we do remove cookies, how do we track advertising? We have some other options, this being one of them. But the other side of it is, is Google's now looking at the idea of not even removing the third-party cookies. Right. And apparently, Hubble is offline. Yeah, it's been for a couple of weeks now, and they're still not sure why. Something went wrong with one of the computers on board. They've been going through and doing testing. They've been able, apparently, to figure out what's not wrong with it, (laughs) but not what is wrong with it. And obviously, repairing a computer that's gone out on something in orbit is very difficult to do. And the other side of it is, is you've got to figure that the technology on board Hubble is the same error of about a Commodore 64. Oh, dear. Yay. Okay. So, <laughs> we got a couple of things going on there. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We've got a great show for you this week. We're going to talk about the new big ransomware hack. Steve's going to be with us with a great guest that does animation. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. The countdown is on. It's about six weeks until we get back to our first actual live event that we get to go to. But we do have Black Hat coming up here, and Chaz is going to be doing that for us. It won't be us personally, but it's still going to be great to actually be at a physical thing. And speaking of Black Hat, we've had a lot of questions come in this week about the big hack that happened over the 4th of July weekend, the ransomware hack. So we're going to talk about this a little bit and answer some listener questions regarding this. First of all, just to talk about what happened is some bad people, I guess you would call them, dark actors, as it were, bad actors, a lot of different terms for them, got into a software distribution system. So this is very similar to what happened over the holiday period with SolarWinds and all of that. And they were able to put ransomware into a piece of software that was then distributed to other systems. So the reason why these areas are being attacked is because it's a wider range of what can be affected from this type of a situation than just getting into one network. Oh, yeah. You know, and what this comes down to is a lot of smaller businesses and that type of thing. So 
you have a big company, they have an IT department, uh, that's all fine and well. But most of America, especially, is built on small business. Now, your mom-pa type business is probably not going to want to hire an IT department. They might have someone that works for them that handles it, but it's not going to be handled in the same way of something like Amazon, right? Exactly. So in order for their systems to run, what they do is they subscribe to third-party services that manage the network. And these network management tools are what are being attacked because what happens is they auto-update. So if you're able to get into that system and that company has 1,500 clients, which was the case this last weekend, uh-huh. it automatically replicates itself into all of those different people or their environments. And in a lot of cases here, this took down smaller businesses, things like dental offices, accounting firms, you know, these type of situations that wouldn't have an IT department. But there were some bigger things, too. It took out a supermarket chain in Sweden for about 24 hours. They couldn't work their cash registers, took out schools in New Zealand. So there were a lot of other things, too. was something that affected at least one thing on all five continents. And they think about 17 different countries. And the numbers vary a little bit on who you talk to, but it's somewhere around 1,500 businesses that were affected. You know, I can guarantee these hackers are not making any friends. Nope, but they are making money. And that's the problem, is that this is proving to be very lucrative. People are paying the ransom to get their equipment back. Now, law enforcement says, don't do that. They try to dissuade it, but sometimes the company has to make the decision is it worth it to get back up in operation? Now, this one, they offered a $70 million key to undo everything, although they were willing to negotiate on a per-business level at about $5 million. We just got all this information, chatting with them on the support option on their website. Wow. So what do you think about that, Gretchen? The fact that they have their own website, it's like, well, I remember when I got a website, I had to put like my name and my email address and blah, 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 and contact information. Um, why can't they trace that? So your website probably ended in .com, .org, something like that, right? Yes. Not, not .onion. .onion? <laughs> so I, I'm not kidding. This is a real thing. So this actually is a listener question, and I kind of segue into it that way, but it is definitely something that's asked is what is the difference between the regular internet, the dark web, and the deep web? Three different oh, there's things, a deep web. Now there, yeah, there's now a there's deep a deep web. web? Yeah, yeah. Great. Does it have does it have those fish with the glowing parts floating through it? Um, <laughs> it might, depending on whose website you go those to. Those are probably the okay. hackers. <laughs> you, you've actually been on the deep web. Most of us have. Um, we just haven't been on the dark web. So the regular web is you go to Google or Yahoo or Bing or something and search, and a website comes up. That's what we pretty much all know and understand as the internet. Oh, okay. Deep web is not indexed, so you can't find it through a search engine normally. But these would be things like looking at a library's holdings or your email, something where you have to log on to get to specific information. Oh, okay. You wouldn't Hmm. want Google to index your bank account. You wouldn't be able to get to the bank account information. So that logon process, uh, known also as an extranet, is what would be referred to generically as the deep web. Now, this is very different Hmm. than the dark web, obviously. Okay. So the dark web, what is that? And this isn't meant to be a two tutorial on how to get to the dark web, but I am going to talk about the differences just to kind of give an understanding out there. First of all, a regular browser like your Chrome or Edge or whatever you use doesn't go to the dark web. And the other thing that the dark web doesn't have is an indexing system like a Google. So there's a number of differences with that. 
in order to get to the dark web, you need a browser that's designed specifically for it. And the other thing, what I was saying earlier, is most dark web websites end in .onion. Uh, okay. <laughs> it used to be called Onion Routing, which is where that acronym oh. comes from. Huh. And uh, it's a completely different system. A browser that is capable of doing this is one called Tor, T-O-R. And there are other ones out there that uh, the idea is being completely anonymous. Now, in strictly speaking, the dark web is not dangerous just for what it is. However, because it is completely anonymous, you're anonymous, the site's anonymous, all of that kind of thing, it can carry and does carry, frankly, very dangerous and offensive and other types of content that isn't something that you would necessarily just want to look at. So you want to protect your kids, obviously, from this stuff. Yeah, you, you, first of all, you don't want to set up dark web browsing or any of that kind of stuff to begin with. But the other side of it is, is what the dark web has is, you, you know, you, you can literally go hire a hitman or buy drugs or something like that. And then you pay with cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, which uh-huh. is not, I used to say it's untraceable. That has been proven not to entirely be the case. But it definitely is a lot more anonymous than going to the corner store and paying with your credit card, you know, hmm. just yeah. to use a comparison like that. So you can find all those things. There's there's pornography, legal pornography, like child porn. These kind of things do exist on the dark web. Now, the other side of the coin, just to give both things, is they say that the only true freedom of the press is to use a service like this because it is completely anonymous and there's no way to censor anything either. So no hmm. regulation kind of like the Wild West of the internet, in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to get things like viruses and malware and all of that kind of thing from both ends of the fence, from one just affecting your computer, which you don't want, but you can also buy it to infect other people's computers. So things like this ransomware attack, that's how they're making their money, because they're selling their software or going out and getting decryption keys or access to other machines. I could buy a Netflix account if I wanted to that way that was illegal. So that's the kind of stuff that you see on the dark web. Send in your questions and I'll be happy to answer them more specifically. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is the section of the show where you ask questions and we give you answers. How do you ask those questions? Good question. We'll give you that answer first. 503-766-6264 is the phone number. One User-Friendly on Facebook or Twitter. UserFriendlyNation.com on the internet. Any of those methods, get us your questions and we will be happy to answer them. And remember, we are going back to live shows in a few weeks. Live shows, what I mean by that is on-site, like actually going to a convention center and seeing things. Yeah, I was about to say, I checked my pulse. I'm, I am alive. I am alive, yes, I, although last year's been somewhat questionable. But uh, <laughs> no, but um, definitely think about it. If there's anything that you want us to start asking again to people at these shows, send in the questions, and we're going to be very happy to be able to start doing that. What questions do we have today? What is a FANG stock? Okay, I'm assuming you're uh, commenting on the two A's in there, F-A-A-N-G. Yeah, well. And it's all capitalized. Yeah. Yes, yes. So. Uh, I don't know. It's a set of letters. Actually, what this stands for, it's an acronym that goes back a while for the stock market. And the acronyms stand for, let's see if I can remember this, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. Oh. Oh. So it's, okay. stock, it's the stocks of those companies. And even though it's called Alphabet now, they still use the acronym from when it was called Google. 
I see. So what that was was a kind of stock that a lot of stock brokers would tell you would be good to invest in because of what they are, also known as big tech. And that's what that term goes to. But it just looks kind of funny. It's always like, is it Halloween? Yes. Fangs? You know? uh-huh. Fangs. <laughs> mm. Okay. Do these stocks have a lot of bite? Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is carrot browsing? Speaking of biting, I don't think I'd want to bite that kind of carrot. It looks like diamond. Yes. The spelling, spelling. would be more than diamond. That would be hard on your teeth. And that wouldn't yeah. work there anyway. Carrot browsing is a term used to browsing without the use of a mouse, I think would be the best way to use it. In other words, you use your cursor keys or letters or some other method like that, the tab key sometimes, to move around a screen and then use your enter key to be able to select something. Okay. This goes back to the days of pre-World Wide Web, and you would have different methods of being able to access information where it was linked. Yeah, you you would use the arrow keys. You would use the arrow keys. That's a form of carrot browsing. Oh, I've never heard that term. No. no and I do wrong. remember DOS prompt stuff. Okay. <laughs> DOS prompt stuff, yes. Uh, <laughs> is AWS certification worth getting? All right, AWS, for anyone that might not know, is Amazon Web Services. So Amazon Web Services, among other things, offers a certification or actually a number of certifications that you can get. Right now, cloud computing is a real big deal, so having a known background in it is something that can get you a job, and getting the certification would be one way to prove it. Plus, you do learn a lot. This is something I've done. You have to renew it every couple of years, and the way that it's set up is you have a base certification that you get, and then you can get specializations built on top of that. And it seems like they offer a lot of courses, too. Yeah, there's a a lot of classes. So um, the next question is, how much is AWS certification? Yeah, putting these two things together, I think, is kind of important to consider what the investment would be in it. Now, this can vary wildly. To take the tests is a couple hundred bucks to do what you would need to do to get that done. If you don't pass the test, pay again, that kind of a thing. But the other side of it, Gretchen, like you mentioned, is this whole idea of actually learning the information. And there's a couple of different ways to do it. Now, with COVID uh, happening and the idea of in-class training, it's still out there, but it is fairly rare right now. Most of what's being done is online classes. And these classes you can get for a really a big variance of prices. If you go to a site like Udemy or Linksys Training, any of those, um, or LinkedIn Training, rather, any of those type of sites, it can actually be very inexpensive to take these classes. You get them at a special or a deal like that, you can get them for 10, 20 bucks a piece. You pay regular price, it might be 100. But in person classes are a lot more. Then there's a third version of this that's kind of a hybrid where it's still an instructor led class, but it's done through the internet. And those cost more than the recorded classes, but less than going somewhere. So it basically comes down to figuring out how you learn. And if you do well online, then you're going to save a lot of money going on with the online classes. Now, now the ones that I'm seeing are from. Amazon. Yes. Oh, Amazon, of course, offers their own classes too. Yeah. Because I see those emails coming across uh, my desk quite often. Yeah. Yeah. There, I, like I say, there's all kinds of different options and opportunities. Another company that I've worked with that is third party is called A Cloud Guru, A Cloud.Guru. <laughs> and they offer a lot of different things, including sample exams and that type of thing. So there's all kinds of resources out there for it. But taking the time and even spending a little bit more money to learn this stuff before you test is a good idea so that you pass your test on the first try. 
This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Joining us now, Steve Mailer with his guest, Mark Spurlock. Well, thanks, uh, Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen. Uh, I'm on location with uh, someone that I've had the opportunity to work with only over the last couple of weeks. Most often, um, people that I bring onto the show I've known for years, but this is an example of a colleague who has a really interesting background. He is a screenwriter, and in talking with him, uh, there are many aspects of his life that could make like eight really interesting feature films. His name is Mark Spurlock, and he is a screenwriter for a TV show that is in pre-production right now called The Chico and Paco Adventures. Mm -hmm. So, Mark, welcome to User Friendly. Well, thank you, Steve. Thank you. So, um, you and I met about two weeks ago. The way we met is that uh, Paco and Chico were going through basically early pre-production phases for the show's production. And what we've been doing is basically inviting people, voice character actors, to come on and audition for the show. So as the screenwriter for this, something I noticed that I was kind of observing as we were doing this, what I noticed, which was kind of neat as a, as a kind of a byproduct of the process, is I'm seeing things inspire you. Mm-hmm. As the yeah, screenwriter, definitely, and as as we meet these new people, as we meet these new character actors, they're bringing talents and nuances and certain. I don't know if I'd call them character behavior, character behaviors that are kind of helping you flesh out the characters. Definitely, yeah, that, that's been happening. For oh you. yeah, without a doubt, because the, um, you know, the two main characters, I kind of had an idea of how I wanted them to act, you know, and what I wanted them to say and everything. And then you start bringing other characters, you're writing, you know, and they're animals. So you're writing other <laughs> characters in there and you don't really think of what you want. You know what you want them to say, but I don't know voices. I don't know accents. I right. don't know any of that. Yeah. So like the one gentleman we had that we were talking about uh, that came in for one of the characters, I had no idea what to do with him. Uh -huh. And when that guy spoke, it was like, oh my gosh, I never <laughs> would have thought of that. That's going to work perfect. Yeah. So, and that's, that's kind of a fun part of the process because you, as a screenwriter, you know, what were some of your inspirations for just creating the script as you had it when we went into the audition process? You know, I, I don't even, I mean, because I've written other stuff and I've written, uh, I follow uh, people on, on uh, Instagram and, and screenwriting pages, uh, you know, the great writers, the Coen brothers or, or Quentin Tarantino or, or some of those guys. And some of those guys have an ending and they write to the ending. Okay. And I've never, ever done that. You know that I've heard that. Mm -hmm. I've heard that where you've got this great finale in mind and then you kind of have to work backward. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I don't even know how, I mean, I've gotten to one, the book I just gave you here, this one Western comedy, mm -hmm. I sat for a year. I didn't know how to end it. I just did <laughs> not. I just kept on going and going and going and I never knew what I was leading into. It was like, I just didn't have a clue what to do. Then one day it's like, oh, bingo. It's the simplest thing. Uh, yeah. When you read it, you'll see. But it's like, oh, okay, I can use that. Ins inspiration comes from a lot of different places, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it does. And it, I get it every day. That's a great part of the process mm -hmm. of, of writing in general. So speaking of that, mm -hmm. um, how long have you been writing scripts? 
I, I don't. I, I would think probably six or seven years. Okay. Um, I wrote uh, the first one, and then I, I didn't do anything. I think for maybe a year or so, and then I started getting back into it. And then, like lately, the past uh, shoot three years, uh, I've I've done you know like f- five five okay. screenplays. Okay. And what type of genre do you typically write, or is it is it a mix? Definitely comedy. Okay, definitely definitely comedy. comedy. Yeah, because okay. that's my whole family is are comedians. I mean, not comedians, paid comedians, <laughs> but uh, we laugh at each other. They have good so senses of humor. They have great sense of humor. Uh, awesome. My, exactly. My kids have gr- have great senses of humor, and yeah. So it's that's what we do. We just we've always laughed and cut up. And so, what are some of the projects? Like you mentioned, a book that you just wrote. Mm-hmm. In fact, I have got it in front of me, and you graciously handed me a copy of The mm-hmm. Outlaw. Josie from Wales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a great, what a great <laughs> satirical <gets> look <laughs> at the Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah. It oh gets my laughs God. when you just, re- when you just awesome. mention it. Yeah. I laughed title. about it. Yeah. I'm going, well, was this guy from like the UK? Yeah. Yeah. He's okay. from Wales. Yeah. It, it, it plays <laughs> right into the title. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm going to sit down and read that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned uh, we had a, like a brief meeting before we came together and mm-hmm. you said you've, you've done feature length work, you've mm-hmm. done shorts. Um, and you say you've been, you've been screenwriter for about five or six years. Mm-hmm. What led you into screenwriting? Well, I used to, uh, I, I ran a radio show, a radio oh, station okay. and it was just dumped in my lap. Actually, there was, there was six of us partners together. Okay. Uh, two got fired, one died. Oh and, yeah. And, and then pretty soon a husband and wife that were a team, it was just us three. They moved to uh, New York. Okay. And then all of a sudden now I've got to run a radio station and it's, it's a little small <laughs> radio station. It's fully automated. Uh, it was a, you know, computer run. Wow. Uh, you just plug in commercials. And um, so I, about 10 years ago, I had an idea for a morning show um, and just me and some friends. And we would just talk about the community. Uh, we'd have little quizzes. Uh, we just do fun stuff. We do birthdays. So people would call in and say, hey, it's so-and-so's birthday today. And we'd give them shout outs and stuff okay. like that. Cool. So, um, and then one, and I had an alter ego show, uh, Rock Spinner which was uh, a guy that just played uh, the music that I like to listen to. And he, and he had like, a, it's kind of like a behind the music type of thing. Okay. If you remember from, uh, yes, I do. Yeah. From, uh, I don't know if that was MTV or not, but so I, I, I play, I did that. And then this guy just called me because you got to make a movie about rock spinner. <laughs> I go, uh, you know, I thought, I didn't know what to think. I thought, um, rock spinner is just a character. He's not, you know, he wasn't really a real guy. And then like I was saying earlier, I just went to work and, I'll be danged if I came up with one. You know, I keep seeing Jack Black mm-hmm. as a character. I mean, would he be someone who would meet, who would kind of flesh out that character he, on screen? You know, you know what? He could. He could do it. It's a. It's kind of a, a twist between uh, uh, Jeff Lebowski on The Big Lebowski. Okay. Because uh, because the guy starts out at the top of his game, or he starts out kind of at the medium of his game, mm-hmm. goes to the top. Tragedy brings him all the way to the bottom. Okay. And he comes back. And he starts coming back and getting his life back together. And he runs a little radio station, kind okay. of like what I did. All so right. it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a bi- biography. Yeah, it's kind of. Wow. Is. And then I used to know the biggest radio DJ in the 80s in uh, the Sacramento area. Okay. So that kind of bought, brought him into it too. That Not that guy, but that kind of what he did. Okay. So I'm, I'm kind of seeing where some of the inspiration for mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff is coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like a mishmash of a lot yeah. of different things. Yeah, it's okay. just a, yeah, it's a collage of of my life, nice. basically. Yeah. So the um, it, it's the Chico and Paco animation event. What is the actual working title of uh, the pre-production show that we're working on? I think it's Chico and Paco 
adventures is okay. what I think it is. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I should know, obviously, but <laughs> well, I don't I mean, even remember every, what I wrote this Everything morning. is going through changes. Right. I mean, uh, we're still going through a lot of changes to rough drafts and what have you. And this is being produced by Northern Summit Productions, mm -hmm. which is a film production company based here in Reno. And so um, hopefully as that c uh, continues to work and things get fleshed out, we may have you back and just see how things are going. Oh, definitely. But um, I certainly appreciate you coming on the show with us today here at User Friendly. It's always fun to meet new talent. Mm -hmm. And one of the neat things is, you know, when as we started going through this process and we're kind of fleshing out characters and we're, we're hiring essentially that we're casting for the show right. it's kind of neat because i i've done some screenwriting but you have a much wider variety and a lot more experience so i always learn in that process too and i always appreciate that yeah yeah so mark spurlock thank you so much for joining me here on user friendly and uh i'm sure we'll have you back you bet steve thank you okay jeremy bill and gretchen guys take it away steve thank you we'll be back after the break Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Steve, thank you for that interview. It's always fun to find out about different things, and I know a lot of our listeners love animation. And speaking of such things, the uh, Game Developers Conference is coming up next week. We're going to be talking about it. It's a virtual conference this year, but definitely got the press invite and going to be there covering a lot of their different things and talking about what we see, and we hope to go to that one in person next year. We tried to last year, and that's just when the pandemic started, so we didn't have that opportunity. But it's still a great show, something worth definitely talking about. Black Hat, our first one that we're going to have someone physically there, July 31st to August 5th. Chaz Wellington down in Las Vegas is going to be covering that one for us. Always a great show. Again, great to have it live again this year. And then our first show that we're going to be going back to is Silicon, formerly the Silicon Valley Comic Con. And I don't know, I'm really looking forward to that. Are you guys are? Oh, absolutely. Oh, definitely. definitely going to go Wookiee it out a little bit again. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. So we talk in this segment just kind of by default since the pandemic started about some of the things that we see on television and movies and that different type of thing. And uh, just a little footnote on that. We are going to be starting to do normal movie reviews again here in a couple of weeks. It's ramping back up, so we'll keep you apprised on that. But I know one of the things, uh, Gretchen, that you were talking about is a television show or a movie, I think it was. No, but it's a television show. A television show. show called The Bureau of Magical Things. So what is that? Tell okay, well, it. it's a series, and it seems to be geared for what I would say anywhere from nine, age nine to age 18. Okay. Uh, and it's just sometimes I'll just watch things while I'm working on other projects and just something to kind of... I don't know, spend the time. And this looked like it could be intriguing. And it's actually a nice kids show. Okay. Uh, it's, it's based around, I think it's set in New Zealand and it's based about uh, on a girl who accidentally discovers either that she is magical or that she's been altered into a magical being. And um, the acting is nice. The stories are lighthearted kind of fun. It's it's really something that I think your kids could watch with no problem. What system is it on? I believe it's Netflix, though uh, IMDb is showing a lot of um, 
Amazon. So maybe it's available on Amazon as well. All right, check it out. Could be a couple of platforms. I've got one too that I've kind of gotten into and binged watch, which is a little bit unusual for me, called Mysteries of the Abandoned. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's like seven series, seven uh, seasons long, eight maybe, on Discovery Plus. And it's an incredible show. It goes into all these weird, creepy places that I don't like. And, uh, <laughs> I like that show. You know, I do underground too, yeah. tunnels full of water that no one's been in for a hundred years. Just the Saturday afternoon I'd like to have. But it's it a is, super uh, villain hangout. A super villain <laughs> hangout. Yeah, there you are. There you are. But uh, anyway, these it's it's a great uh, series. It goes into a lot of depth on this. Does a really good job at presenting them. So also something to check out. Discovery Plus. This is user friendly 2.0. Until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2021, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.